Today is Friday, November 10th. The title for our devotional is The Better Freedom. The irresistible gospel of freedom is that in Christ we are free from sin, original sin, the curse of sin, the guilt and shame of our sin, death, and free to then serve God and others. This only happens when God makes us new and reorders our loves. Only then can we be free to truly love God as the ultimate object of our affection. Only then can we genuinely love others as God defines it and as the Spirit produces within us. I recently read in Sharon Heidi Miller's book, Free of Me, about a study by Jean M. Twenge. I'm saying her name right. In her book, Generation Me, Why Today's Young Americans Are More Confident, Assertive, Entitled, and More Miserable Than Ever Before, uh, she notes that our culture's emphasis on self-esteem and self-focus has ultimately failed. The results have largely been, one, ironically, a drop in self-esteem, and two, not surprisingly, a rise in self-absorption. A couple of weeks ago, I noted uh, Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer's comments about finding meaning in sacrifice. To thrive, we need community, meaning, and freedom. Right now, our culture is all freedom with little community and meaning because we aren't willing to sacrifice our freedom for it. Spiritually, the church must reveal that in Christ is a better freedom. In Christ, we find freedom from sin and the curse of sin. In Christ, we find freedom to give ourselves in service to God as we have been made by God and for God. This gives us purpose. We find freedom to give ourselves genuinely to one another and love one another. In this, we find community. Our culture is bloated on freedom. We have an evangelistic opportunity to demonstrate the true irresistible freedom in the gospel. To do so, however, we cannot get caught up chasing freedom from all restraints as our culture defines it. We must remember that we are free to give ourselves to God and others. The irresistible nature of the gospel on this topic of freedom is that we find it to be truly liberating. Remember Keller's quote, Freedom is not the absence of limitations and constraints, but it is finding the right ones, those that fit our nature and liberate us. This, of course, ties into our purpose and our destiny as we've been talking about. The most freeing place to be is to live within our purpose, rooted in our true identity, and towards our ultimate destiny. This is freedom grounded in truth. It may not be the freedom that we want in our sinful nature, which checks out according to original sin, right? But it is the freedom we so desperately need, and Jesus knew that. We have been created by God to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him forever in the new creation. And if this is true, of course, we will not find freedom apart from him. Prior to Jesus, we are enslaved to our sin. Remember, these are the very words of Jesus from John 8, 34. Without salvation and new creation, we are unable to truly live freely to love God and others. Prior to salvation and new creation, then our loves are disordered. But Jesus liberates us. We are unable to help ourselves. Jesus has saved us and redeemed us. Christian life, then, is truly free. It is a better freedom. So let's not view our faith as a restraint on our weak concept of freedom. Instead, let's believe and live in the truth. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, Jesus said. Christian, bask in the freedom that Christ has given you. Live freely within your purpose, rooted in your true identity and towards your ultimate destiny. This is the better freedom. I wanted to conclude this week with a quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. It's rather lengthy, so I'm only, I included more of it in the devotional page, so you can go there and read it if you want. Um, but I'm just going to include some snippets of it. 
His words here just jump off the page as they are just as relevant today as they were in the middle of the 20th century. He's writing in the context of how do we find our true selves? And he says this, the more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. There's so much of him that millions and millions of little Christ, all different, will still be too few to express him fully. Love that picture. He made them all. He invented, as an author invents characters in a novel, all the different men that you and I were intended to be. In that sense, our real selves are all waiting for us in him. It is no good trying to, quote, be myself without him. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. And our culture is still finding that to be true. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. He says, but there must be a real giving up of the self. You must throw it away, quote, blindly, so to speak. Christ will indeed give you a real personality, but you must not go to him for the sake of that. As long as your own personality is what you are bothering about, you are not going to him at all. The very first step is to try to forget about the self altogether. Next, we're going to skip ahead a little further again. It says the principles run, this principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. 